how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome back to the show. In this episode, I sat down with Carlos Baker, a musician and the author of Songs for Ivy. This novel is a touching and enlightening perspective on topics such as childhood and terminal cancer, alcoholism, drug addiction, work addiction, morbid obesity, family dysfunction, end-of-life issues, love and complex family relations, all rolled together to reveal the complexity of the human soul. In this interview, Carlos talks about creative acts that bring joy, his radical life transformation, rediscovering his love for music and the written word, how creativity leads to healing, working with editors, and his writing process for Songs for Ivy. Well, I've always been a reader. So, you know, all my life I was kind of, uh, I always loved to read. And, and I know in my post-college, I mean, I didn't take anything seriously, man. I was one of those... You know, I was one of those guys that just, I never took life seriously. I don't, I'm not sure I still do, but um, I, you know, I, I, we, I go back and forth kind of the nature nurture thing. When I was a kid, when I was 12, I had cancer. So, you know, one day to the next, I was a healthy 12 year old dude. And the next day we, my dad, I was complaining to my family that I had uh, like pins and needles in my left foot. My left foot kept going to sleep on me and I was complaining about it, but I was a, you know, a, a typical 12 year old. So finally my pops was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to a walk-in clinic in East Providence, Rhode Island. So we walked in and the the doctor was unimpressed, but he was like, yeah, it looks a little swollen. Let's take a x-ray of your knee, took an x-ray. And, and even as a 12 year old, I, I vividly remember when he walked back into the uh, room the demeanor, the energy in the room, everything changed. And and he was like, you know, we're, we're going to, I'm going to send you over to a colleague right now. We're going to send you over to a colleague in Rhode Island uh, at a real hospital. And um, from that began this two year journey of, of fighting for my life and uh, ultimately lost uh, my leg to the middle of my thigh um, and uh, had cancer in both, you know, surgeries to remove tumors from both my lungs and all this kind of stuff. And, and really had no chance to, to survive, but for whatever reason, here I am, you know? So as I, as I survived and then kind of started to learn to live a norm, you know, a somewhat normal life again, I just never took anything serious. So I, I struggled to be an adult in college. I, I didn't give a shit in high school. I didn't, you know, I, I went to college, but I didn't take anything seriously. And then even post-college, you know, it was like just kind of work in miscellaneous jobs and not, you know, not in a bad way, just kind of for lack of a better term, that free spirit type thing, you know? And then, so during those times I was playing music and in bad bands and, and writing, you know, writing tunes, but again, not in any kind of significant or serious way. And then, then I got married and had three kids and got a real job and got a mortgage and put all my music stuff in the basement because I was like, oh, now I'm going to be an adult. I'm going to buy a big boy clothes and I'm going to wear shirts like the big adults. And and uh, 
that went really poorly. So about five years into that, I had full on um, psychotic, you know, breakdown mm-hmm. where I was no longer functioning as a human. Um, just fell into a, you know, uh, pan- uh, depression vis-a-vis panic attacks and and ultimately the f- the fear of panic attacks, which um, drove me, you know, insane. And then I found, you know, finally admitted I was dealing with stuff and reached out for help and got on the right meds. And at that point, this was all happening in Rhode Island. At that point, my wife and I packed up our stuff and our three kids and we moved to Northern Germany, kind of on a whim. Like I, I, I had got on these, this, this med, uh, effects or which I'm the same meds I'm still on 14 years later. And I was at least able to function. Like I was like, Oh yeah, that something that wasn't right. Whatever just happened. And, uh, and my wife was like, you want to move to Germany? And I'm like, okay. You know, so off we went and moved into this little village called Nummen, which is kind of between Hanover and Hamburg. And, uh, my wife went back to work full time and I stayed home with our three kids and picked up my base again, man. And, um, and then, and at that point, I don't think it was intentional. Um, it was, it was certainly intuitive and organic where I started writing stuff, uh, dark, you know, dark stuff that probably needed to come out and angry stuff and, you know, probably dealing with the emotion of shame, uh, post you know, I can't speak for anyone else, but I know for me, there was the depression and then there was the, the post shame of, oh, well, I, I couldn't handle real life. You know, I'm a, I'm a failure and that's why, you know, I'm weak. That's why I didn't, you know, had to, so all that stuff. And I think all those, um, all those emotions as I was processing them, which took a minute, um, I was definitely writing and and stuff was coming out and it was coming out in song, which was pretty cool. And I was at a point in life where I was listening and I had the time to, to kind of um, listen and explore and, and tunes were coming out and it was fucking, I, I, for me, um, are you a writer, Brock? Yeah. Yeah. Are you a songwriter? Not songs. I've never done much in the in the poetry songs. More like you know, uh, nonfiction books or fiction oh, screenplays. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's right. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, for me, I love. I mean, I I love to get on stage and all that stuff. But to me, the the moment a song uh, shows itself and and it's captured. And um, kind of before it's produced and all that stuff. To me, that's the moment I, I live for. Mm. And it, and it's not me and a producer and it's not me and my musician buddies. It's just me and the page. Because then it's like, oh, God, that is so, um, it's so kind of spacey. Like, where did that come from? And I love that. I, I just adore that feeling. And and actually, every time I feel like, like with Paul McCartney or, or those guys, which is this is a little bit evil to say, but like when was the last good song he wrote? Like what was the last song where he was like, because all his songs, you know, everyone's songs have value, but mm-hmm. in the end, I guess there are good songs and bad songs, right? Well, they were like in their twenties when they were like the biggest, and that's been fifty years ago or something, right? It didn't even yeah. make any sense how many tunes they wrote in that decade. It's yeah, ludicrous. But every time I I do capture a song, not to say that my songs have 
you know, are good anyway. But every time I do capture one, I'm like, I wonder if that'll be the last one, you know, like hmm. uh, at some point, will I, will I stop getting lucky and, and hearing stuff? And, um, yeah, writing is super important to me. And, and, uh, it's, um, I guess as, as you know, uh, it's just me. If, if you're always listening, I hope things will keep wanting to come out. And I definitely always listen. And um, I'm never not, I never don't have a notebook near me. That's for sure. What does it sort of look like? Is it, is it just like literally you're in silence? Are you listening to music? Are you walking or doing something along that? I just read Rick Rubin's book and he was talking about his belief is as long as you're sharing the ideas, the creative river keeps flowing. Is that kind of how you see it? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think it's, it's a bunch of different ways. It It's sometimes phrases like, so I love to read. So sometimes it's phrases that, that a, a phrase or a paragraph or a chapter will, will def will like connect. <clears throat> and, um, and then there'll be some sort of a, without being sounding too cheesy, it, there'll be some sort of like a, like that feeling where you're like, oh, there's something there. Like there's something drawing me to that phrase or there's something drawing to me to that kind of concept, which I get excited about just thinking about it. And then, uh, or, you know, and then oftentimes like um, there's a, a John Mayer song. This is years ago. This is like a decade ago. There's a John Mayer song that it's called in repair and, and his, his um the the hook he's like um he says i'm in repair and when the first time i heard it when the album came out i thought he was saying i'm ill prepared i'm ill prepared and so i was like oh ill prepared what a what a great like what a great kind of phrase or whatever you call that like that's a pretty because i don't think i've had ever you like i wouldn't use that in day to day like yeah i'm ill prepared for the meeting today i just wouldn't say that and then when I read that it was in, um, in repair, um, that phrase stuck with me and sooner, you know, sooner or later, a, a song was born from that. And to this day, <clears throat> over a decade later, I, it's by far the favorite, my favorite thing that I've ever created. And, uh, I brought, I had brought that song. I, I, I came to Chicago last year getting off off subject here but i came to chicago last year uh, and worked with a wonderful producer his name is brian deck and um he, he agreed to work with me and i went into his uh his beautiful studio and he's like a real guy like he's worked with like counting crows and sam from iron and wine like he's a real dude you know mm -hmm. he's a little bit older he's towards the end of his career probably but but he's you know he's still in my world he's still relevant so uh I walk in and I'm just a bass player. I'm not a, a real guitar player. So he's like, all right, play me something. And I was, and I was, you know, I was nervous and I was stressed and, and here's a real guy. And I'm just, I'm just not a real guy, you know? And I played that tune. I played, I sang and played bass ill-prepared. And uh, because that's the song that that's the one for me, that's my favorite song. I think it's what I, it's what I, the best piece I've written. And, uh, and that that moment was really special for he and I. I think he was kind of like, you know, okay, okay, there you you have something here. Let's 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 work together. And that was a really cool feeling. So um 
getting back to other ways other times there's there's just a feeling and i don't know if you get that like there's times when i'm like oh something's like something's brewing i gotta make sure that i i i gotta make sure that i spend some time with my guitar in my hands over the next few days like i just get that feeling i don't know if you've ever had that but yeah um and that that tends to happen often at night like it te- that tends to happen like i think before i'm asleep but like I just get that feeling, like ooh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. which your, again, your consciousness is like in a surreal state or something like that, right? Something, yeah. And it, it's for me. Um, have you ever listened to that podcast? Unfortunately, we lost him, but uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Do you remember? Uh, I know him, but I haven't heard the, his podcast right. now. Yeah, yeah. He he. We lost him, I guess, about a year ago. But yeah. He, he did this podcast for years called uh, Gilbert's Amazing. I don't know what it's called. And he often would have these generally old Hollywood legends, but he'd also have old Hollywood songwriters. Mm-hmm. And he would always ask these guys, um, the songwriters, you know, so where do, where do songs come from? It's such a general question. And it doesn't matter, you know, these are the, these are the legends, the guys that have written the songs that we know that everyone knows. And they all answered the same way. They're like, it's it's magic. It's uh, you know, it it, it is. Um, I guess our minds are, uh, you know, they are. It's fascinating when you try and figure that stuff out. But I was talking to someone a couple of days ago, and and I kind of said, like, would you say that you're like obsessed with an idea? Like you're obsessed with the word ill prepared? He said, I'd rather say inspired. Do you do you have like a way that you think about it? Like is I heard one writer say it's like a splinter in my eye. Like I have to get it out. I can't do anything until some version of it's out. Yeah. I, I think I'm always looking for, I love that. I, I hadn't think thought of it that way, but I do feel like I'm always looking for, I do like phrases definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially when I'm reading, because you know, um, whether, whether an author is, is, you know, one of the, one of the classic authors or just anybody, John Grissom or like my favorite book of all time, which I've read, um, you know, too many times is, is a guy, Larry McMurtry wrote a book called Lonesome Dove. Yeah. Um, we also just lost, uh, Larry a few years ago, unfortunately, but, um, and that book, man, I, I think, I swear I've written like 10 songs from that book because it, I love his prose and and I love the the ideas that he have has uh, uh, his characters. Most of them are not most of them. His characters are all flawed, like like all of us. But I love how he uh, let's see he he can so intimately and in a positive light kind of share these flawed characters, and I love that stuff. So I think phrases for me. Um, yeah, like uh, another um, another book that I love is Stephen King's uh, The Stand. Mm-hmm. You've read that, I'm sure, over the years. Right? That's my dad's favorite King book. I've, I've I've read pieces of it. I need to sit down and read the whole thing, though. Oh, you should actually. And, and a few years ago, he put out like an extended ridiculous because it's already ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah, he put out a uh, if I remember correctly, because I I read it. Um, when he brought it to the editors, he was they they chopped it up, 
mm-hmm. specifically the one of the main characters. He had this huge kind of like 250 page journey of one of the main characters before the story started. Um, Trash Can Man, which, which was one of the main, you know, uh, darker characters. And uh, so anyway, there's that version and I highly recommend it. But anyway, the, he had his, the, the main character was the the walking man, I, you know, essentially the, the, the evil character that, that was, um, you know, was part of the, the main plot. And he called him so many different things. Ultimately he was, I guess, Satan or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, but I loved how he, he'd call him um, so many different things that, you know, the, the man with the boots, or I, don't, I can't think of what he was yeah, called. Yeah. And, um, and I remember I one of the songs I wrote, which is called Walk Alone, is so directly related to that energy that this character had, which he would <clears throat> he was a, a form of of uh, of Satan or whatever. And he could just show up anywhere. He was kind of like a crow and he would just kind of show up anywhere and he'd be walking along a street and, uh, you know, alone on a dusty like it's stephen king i yeah yeah. maybe maybe he's not i don't know what people generally what critics think of him but i have nothing but you know praise he's he's prolific if if nothing else he comes out prolific if nothing else and i but i do love i actually just tried to read it yeah i couldn't that i couldn't get through but it it was like the i feel like before it he wrote little bitty books and then it came out and then they were like all massive after that or something and yeah yeah. it it was it it went on it goes on forever i'm like geez what is when's the main (laughs) stuff gonna happen man so i i bailed on it about halfway through i like reading um i write some like western screenplay stuff like that so i like reading the old stuff to see what terminology we no longer say like they'll call somebody a lazy person is a coffee bowler. You're too lazy to get up and get the coffee. Like weird well, little things like that that you can kind of pick from it. Do do, do me a favor and read that uh, Lonesome Dove if you haven't yeah. read it before. I I've seen the it. seen the the tele- TV movie a ton, yeah, but yeah, I haven't yeah. read the book yet. Yeah, it's a read mini it. series from the '80s, right? I never yeah. saw it, but yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's like Duval and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. How did so? I understand the songwriting. How did you kind of come across songs for Ivy? How did you shift over to writing longer form? Is it harder? What's the story there? Um, yeah. Well, th- this was in around 2016, 2017. My I have four kids. Um, now they're grown up, but at the time, my daughters were like, you know, kind of 14, 15, 16 years old, and they were uh, they were readers. So for Christmas, we always bought them young adult books. And because we were in Germany and um, that was, for me, it was pre-Kindle. Now I'm all in on Kindle, but back then it was, I was just reading any English book I could get my hands on. So I was happy to read young adult books just because I I actually like, um, I like the way uh, authors approach YA in that they they clearly don't stress about prose. They're they're very much kind of focused on the story, which is, you know, which makes sense because you, mm-hmm. you don't want to, you know, you don't want to overcomplicate a, the experience for a kid. So I always like reading YA books. And um, so we got them a bunch of them. So this was the Christmas of 2016. And after Christmas, I was sitting on the couch reading the back of of these, you know, let's say, 10 books i don't know like the fault of the stars was one of them i I can remember 
Um, and, uh, and I, I just was like, I bet you I could write a YA book. Like I'm not a writer, but I bet you I could figure it out, you know? And, and at the time, because I was a stay at home father and, and I was really raising the kids and, and, and maybe more than most, I was super present when I was with them and I was in the car with them a lot. Um, I, I don't know if it's, if I was present more than most, but I suggest that because, uh, you know, maybe because as an artist, we, we tend to listen more or, or mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure why I said that, but I was definitely very much involved in my daughters. And at that point, my, my, my two younger sons um, experiences and in, in watching them grow and watching them have their first boyfriends. And, and because we were so close and I'm not like a disciplinarian, we were really tight, you know? So I, I don't know. I just felt like I could do it. So, uh, so I said to myself, I'm going to, I think I'm going to try and write a book. And so that was, you know, January of 2017, and Brock, I do not lie when I tell you every single day for 18 months, I had my computer, a shitty little computer with me and every free second that I had of my day. And, and, and ultimately I made myself nuts because I was getting up early and I was staying up late and, and, um, and I don't know what your style is, uh, as, as far as approaching your, your, um, writing, but I didn't have an outline and I didn't have an idea of, of the characters. I just wanted to try and see if I could get in that quasi flow every single time I sat in front of my computer, no plan, no idea what the next chapter would be. And, um, so that was the approach very much. I, you know, that was intuitive. I didn't, I didn't realize I was doing that at the time. It, it was only after when I worked with the, a, um, an editor, a developmental editor that she was, her first question was like, all right, well, first and foremost, how did you, you know, how did you approach this? What was your process? And I'm like, well, I didn't, I don't, I I don't have a process, you know? So, um, so I did it for 18 months. I, I, the story came to an end at about 130,000 words. It ultimately had, um, has about six stories or six different characters and storylines that kind of, you know, connect at some point and um all six are from the people that made the most uh you know impressed upon me the most in my life and or or their experiences and and stuff they went through most of which are darker you know most of which are drug addiction and you know that must be what impresses upon me most i don't know why and um and yeah that, that was it was awesome. It was great when it was done because it it definitely uh, it I I felt like it. I don't want to do it again because it did kind of make me crazy. But um, I was super proud of it, and uh, I I mean I am super proud of it. Ultimately, the the editor was great. She she was I I trusted her, and she chopped it up to. I guess we finished it around. It's about a ninety thousand. Uh, word book which is kind of standard for ya i was going to ask if it was going to be like if you thought about doing two it was so big but she kind of just concise made it concise for you yeah yeah and she was you know because i didn't have an approach she would she would just be like 
you already, this whole chapter, you've already said this, like this is gone, you know, like, and um, she's like, you re- you don't need to spoon feed the reader. Like I, I can remember things her saying, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. She's like, sometimes you gotta, there's things you gotta let them kind of work out in their mind in the story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And, yeah. but I, I did trust her. Uh, I can't think of her name right now, which is kind of a bummer, but she's from um, Julie Gray. She's from, uh, she lives in Israel and hmm. yeah, it was, it was, uh, writing the book was great, man. One of the coolest things in my life. Cause I, I do feel like, uh, self-esteem wise, I feel like I haven't had much, you know, the, the classic statement. I haven't had much success in my life, whatever that means. Um, it means nothing. So I don't know why I would even say it, but, uh, to start something and to finish something is, is as much as I can ask for. And I, to have the book in my hands is that's all of it for me, you know? Yeah. And that's success in the process. And then the results are the results. They're out of your control anyway. So yeah. tell me about, um, I'm curious if there was something before you really started writing and maybe before medication and, and there's a lot of things going on there, but did it feel like something was missing within that realm or like, how do you think about how creativity helps your depression? How might it help other people? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think in, for, in order for me, so, so I don't know that I don't think I was dealing with, um, first of all, in my dad's side of the family, you know, kind of when I started dealing with depression and started admitting it to people, um, you know, I'm, I'm 49. So my generation, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think there's such a, still such a stigma around depression in, in my generation, mm-hmm. this newer generation is, which is kind of cool, I guess they're, they're just so open and, um, it's almost like a rite of passage to, to kind of have experienced, um, mental health issues. And it's just, it's just a different experience. It's, it's not better or worse. I know I have a family member who's 21 and, and she'll, she'll tell me about her depression. And, and I'm like, are you, wait, are you reading this from a DSM five or are you really experienced? Meaning they, they have so much knowledge of what they're feeling Yeah, that it's confused, you know, and I'm, I, I'm not, downplaying her depression i just like how the hell do you how can you process so much i don't know the, their approach to it is so different to mine i was like okay well i was just out of my fucking mind that's how i express it you know and she's like well i'm feeling this and i also and i'm like jesus you 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 know a lot of stuff what you feel man you know but anyway um so once i started talking about it my my entire dad's side of the family is like, oh yeah, we're everyone, every one of your aunts and uncles, all the cousins, everyone has anxiety. And I'm like, what? I how come no one told me? You know. So <clears throat> I think for me, in order to stay healthy, so and I and I do to this, you know, I do think I live on the edge of of I, I feel like I could go over to the other dark side any time, you know, I mean, not to say I'm not healthy because I think I am a healthy dude and I'm content and I, I feel like I have peace in my world, but, um, in order for me to stay healthy, 
I do feel like I have to do a lot of work and, um, and make sure that I'm aware of what's happening in my brain. And, and, um, part of that is, uh, given an outlet to those, you know, 99% of the stuff I write is pretty dark. Um, so I think that stuff has to come out in however it wants to come out. So for me, I, I can't speak to other people's, um, way of dealing with those dark thoughts, but you know, uh, my self-esteem, I don't know if it'll ever, if I'll ever find a way to, to be, uh, a little more content with who I am in life. But, um, I, I do feel like if I keep doing the work and, and, and kind of, um, given that creative, you know, kind of creating that outlet for, for my darker thoughts, I think I'll be okay. But I don't know, man. I don't know if I'll be here. You know, I'm I'm not. I ain't that. I'm not that sure about it. But uh, you know, I do have four wonderful kids to live for. I adore my wife. I look forward to having grandchildren. Um, so I, you know, I work hard to to try and stay healthy. But it ain't easy, man. Yeah. I mean, that was great. So the the books on Amazon. Is there anything else you want to that we missed, or anything where people can follow you? No, you know, check. So so. Going back to that guy Brian Deck, I, we made an awesome album. Um, it was a nine-song album. Uh, it came out, I guess, about a month and a half ago. It's called "Find Your Way." Um, we did it the old-fashioned way. There were actually, uh, you know, three studio musicians and me in a room, um, all playing live, and it was the experience of a lifetime. Man, these, you know, these older sh- Chicago studio guys. And the the music we created is, I, I think it's great. I think it has, uh, you know, has a place in the world. And I'd be honored if any of your listeners would, uh, you know, download it and check it out. And Ill Prepared is on that uh, album. So it's a reason to go check it out, man. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.